This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture Card. Earn unlimited 2x miles on every purchase. Plus, earn unlimited 5x miles on hotels and rental cars booked through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. You've heard this voice before. But since we've heard it in the first episode of our series, Regional Goals Global, Peso Pluma has been crowned one of the top five most streamed artists of 2023 on Spotify, keeping company with pop icons Taylor Swift and Harry Styles, among others. That's right, billions of streams and an untold number of people around the world connected through Musica Mexicana. As we traveled around the U.S. in the first two episodes, we discovered that a lot of the explosion of this music is largely because of the ways that Mexican-American kids are streaming, creating, and seeing themselves in this music. Connecting not only with each other, but with their own identities. Remember Diana talking about her cousin in Nashville? I don't think she's ever been to Mexico. And she's very proud of being Mexican. The music does not just impact what she listens to on the lady, but also like how she dresses or like how she talks or like her identity of being Mexican. Like, yeah, I love it. Or Armando Martinez of Yaritza y Su Esencia in Yakima. I was raised by Mexican parents that gave me that Mexican feeling. But I was raised in the U.S. I don't know, it, it's something that you have to experience. Like you can't. Just tell somebody how it feels. The music has also connected fans and musicians on this side of the border to the music's origins. So in this episode of the series, we traveled to a small town in the Mexican state of Sinaloa to see where those connections are born. To an actual Pueblo Mágico, where the banda sinaloense roots of Peso Pluma and others are a living and breathing tradition, taught in schools, shared in stories, preserved and proliferated for future generations. Here, this music isn't a source for discovering identity. It is identity. Porque si no conoces el pueblo donde vives, no vas a ser nadie. But what happens when the tradition leaves the pueblo? La música tradicional es tan fuerte en ganarse los corazones de la gente. I'm Felix Contreras. I'm Ana Maria Sayer. And you're listening to Alt Latino from NPR Music. Let the chisme begin. Ana, as we were putting this series together, I was excited to know that we were going to Sinaloa, not just because Banda Sinaloense is such a big part of the current moment with regional music, but also because of the way it reflects a little bit of the history of Mexico. And as we've seen so far in our series, traditions are not just a thing of the past. They continue to define Mexican musicians and communities today. We heard it in the crowd at the Peso Pluma concert in Nashville and in the love of Mexico that Yaritza Martinez and her brothers have when they make music as Yaritza y su esencia. You know... This current regional Mexican moment is not the first time Banda Sinaloense has had an audience outside of Mexico. In the 1990s, young Mexican immigrants developed a style of dancing to banda music, and they called it quebradita. 
Mostly in the Southwest, young people created Quebradita dance clubs and created a whole social movement around the style. But it was more than just a fad, because by reaching back to the upbeat brass sounds of banda, young people back then were creating another stop on the historical arc of banda that extends from the middle of the 19th century to right now. The first banda orchestras developed in central and southern Mexico in the mid-1800s, and they were informal collections of musicians who were imitating the sounds of the polished brass instruments and the marches of military bands. All the tubas and brass you hear nowadays comes from those early ensembles, and eventually Sinaloa became so associated with the development of this music that the music is still referred to as banda sinaloense or band music from Sinaloa. And during our reporting, all roads kept leading to a small town just two hours from the capital city, Culiacan, Mocorito, a picturesque pueblito that almost feels like a factory for talented musicians and boasts of being the hometown of the iconic band Los Tigres del Norte, a place where banda lives and tradition never dies. The road to Mocorito from Culiacan was surrounded by rolling green hills on both sides, far from the desert landscape I'd envisioned. Almost untouched, it was easy to imagine that banda tubas and trumpets were passed down from these very same hills. We arrive with the sun setting over miles of fields at our backs. Then, from behind an arch that proudly reads Mocorito Pueblo Magico, emerges the pueblo with twinkly lights adorning the antique town square and colorful historic buildings. Picture perfect, standing still in time. Our first stop is the Casa de Cultura Dr. Enrique Gonzalez Martinez, a cultural center that sits in the shadow of a historic church which dates back to 1594. Because of this history and the music made here, in 2015, the Mexican government designated Mocorito as a Pueblo Magico, a destination that is part of a national program to promote the country's cultural heritage. We were greeted by some municipality workers. They gave us a brief tour around the 19th century building, which features an elaborate mural depicting the history of the town, including its musical heritage. Mirta Vasquez manages the town's social communications as Un Pueblo Magico. And of course, she's also a musician. Her roots in Mocorito are deep, and for her, it's not just a job. It's a part of her identity. She told us a story about wanting to go to the club as a young person, but her mom told her she had to go to the town dance first. They would go back and forth arguing, but her mom would say, you have to go. Because if you don't know the town where you live, you're nobody. Mirta explains that you understand and value time more. 
The pueblo is built from generations of parents, grandparents who did something for Mocorito too. She says that's why they're called to this love, this work. All of the people here helped raise up this very same structure we're standing in. I asked Mirta a question she tells us she always gets asked. Y yo esa pregunta les hago cada vez en esa entrevista. ¿Qué hay? ¿Qué tiene Mocorito? What does Mocorito have? What's special about it? Y la coincidencia es esa. Mocorito tiene magia. Mocorito, Mocorito has magia. magic, she explains. That magic has been preserved in the corners, in the alleys, in the streets, in those little old love lights of the past. You can still perceive that love the people of this small town have lived. But we wanted to understand, with the rise of corridos tumbados, the music moving elsewhere, how does that impact the land the music comes from? Mirta assures us. The people here have worked hard to maintain the magic. Great music has been made in the process. The magic of Mocorito can be seen in the melodies. They make them cry. Hasta llorar. Laugh and cry. Reír y llorar. And Mocorito continues to be a very music-loving land. Mirta explains that people from here love it so much that people come from all over just to understand why they love it so much. De gama de personalidades que vienen a ver por qué amamos tanto Mocorito. Y está en parte eso. La música es arte y Mocorito es arte. And she says part of that is that music is art and Mocorito is art. There was one more bit of history they taught us before we left. There are artists who have taken their musical training and left, but there are those who have stayed, preserving the music for national and international audiences. Hay dinastía de de los hermanos Rubio que son los músicos más reconocidos porque de ahí han surgido las generaciones. One of the most important has been los hermanos Rubios. Victor Rubio is a direct descendant of this famous dynasty, and he's well-known in the streets of Mocorito. He's the music teacher at one of the middle schools in the small town, and while people here call him El Profe, he is not just any music teacher. As a member of a family that has a deep connection to Banda Sinaloense that goes back over a hundred years, his call to continue the Banda tradition runs deep. He was a working musician and a member of the family band Los Hermanos Rubio de Mocorito, one of the more high-profile bandas in a town known for banda bands. In 1990, he was asked by the governor of Sinaloa to take over teaching music classes at one of the town's middle schools. And since then, generations of the town's budding musicians have learned to read music 
and continue the Mocorito legacy under his direction. During a drive to his home for an interview, we saw many of his students walking along the cobblestone streets dressed in their blue and white school uniforms, carrying their band instruments and school books. He guides us to his private space, a small room decorated with music memorabilia and a small bar. He starts our conversation by filling in the blanks on the history of Banda Sinaloense, and he explains how the sound of all those horns got to Mexico from Europe. Llegan barcos grandísimos, extranjeros, y esos barcos eran europeos, tanto alemanes como italianos, eh, ingleses. He says there were ships that used to come into the harbor in Mazatlan back in the last century, just after the Mexican Revolution in 1910, with people from Europe, Germans, Italians, English. He tells a story of two German brothers who set up a store that sold a bunch of things, including musical instruments, clarinets, trumpets, pianos, and accordions. Que la banda de Sinaloa viene de los ancestros. He points out that the Banda Sinaloense comes from the suffering of a marginalized people who had no way of how to even dance to their own music. He explains that these early musicians would save their money until they had enough to buy their own instruments. And then after they were done working in the fields, they left their machetes in their backpacks. They would go home, freshen up, and start to play their instruments. Todos sudados, se echaban un baño y empezaban a tocar su instrumento. ¿Cómo? Pues como Dios le daba a entender. How did they do it? Only God knows, he says. ¿Verdad? Entonces, este, está ahí la revolución, la revolución mexicana y había bandas, en ese entonces había bandas militares. He explains that during this time, during the Mexican Revolution, the bands were mainly trained musicians in military bands. Victor Rubio explains that back in the day, in order to serenade a young woman to try to get her to be your girlfriend, musicians had to find the right music to make her heart beat. A lot of the music came from that feeling. Songs like Vuela Paloma, the sentence of love. As with all good Mexican stories, the origin of the Rubio family's long history with the town's cultural legacy started with an abuelita. Inicia con una buena intención de una abuelita que le gustaba mucho parrandear. This abuelita loved to go to the plaza in the center of Mocorito to hear music and often paid them to hear her favorite songs. Rubio says one day she thought to herself, why am I paying so much money to other people? Why not buy some instruments, then teach my family to play my favorite songs? An abuela, a little love, maybe even some divine intervention. And from all of that, one of the musical beating hearts of this town was born. We're going to get back to Mocorito right after this break. 
On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR, and I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most on It's Been a Minute from NPR. From your car radio to your smart speaker, NPR meets you where you are in a lot of different ways. Now we're in your pocket. Download the NPR app today. And we're back in Sinaloa, Mexico. While conducting another interview, producer Lili Quiros, Felix, and I could hear the familiar oompa oompa of a tuba that sounded close. Running through the streets a few blocks over, we discovered the members of Banda Los Líderes rehearsing in one of the band members' front yards. Anna, I have been playing in bands my whole life, and I have to say that, and over the years, I don't think any of them could rehearse with brass and loud drums without the neighbors complaining. But in Mocorito, the neighbors seem to embrace it. My name is Carlos Sarmiento Fonseca. I'm vocalista of the leader of Mocorito. And of course, Felix, some members of his band were former students of Professor Rubio. He says that Professor Rubio gives the students here their big break, the opportunity to study music, which is a really big source of employment here. Entonces, por eso, por esta experiencia con el profesor, ustedes como em empezaron tu, tu amor de, de banda o, o empezaron es que lo, más... Lo que pasa por la cultura aquí, la banda sí. es lo que, más, sí. lo que más suena aquí y, y por fuente de trabajo. Entonces, 
pues yo creo que todos tenemos un, un, un pariente, un primo, un tío, un abuelo que y pues eso se va dejando generación en generación. He explains that it's a cultural thing here, passed down from generation to generation. A day after we met the band rehearsing in the front yard, we decided to go see the source, the space where the magic is made, and Professor Rubio breathes life into Banda Love, the schoolyard. Professor Rubio was in the middle of all that controlled chaos. Giving individual instructions first to the clarinet, then the brass, and the huge bass drum and loud snare drum. Parents stood around the schoolyard or watched through the fence, admiring their young musicians. There was a father giving his son instructions on the tuba. One of the band members we met in the front yard walked over to us to say hello. Turns out he's a teacher at the school. And eventually, Profe Rubio called the practice session to order. Watching Profe Rubio work with the young musician, something he told us earlier stood out. He says the music is like a vaccine, preventive medicine to keep young people off the path of drugs and alcohol and other things he considers morally questionable. That wrong path is a big concern for El Profe and the families of Mocorito and in Sinaloa in general. And here is where we have to address the third rail of Mexican society, the subject that few really want to talk about. But it is a fact of life in Mexico. The drug cartel, or narcotraficantes, or narcos, reach every part of Mexican society, especially in Sinaloa, where the country's largest cartel is based. The depth of the entanglement of the government and the cartel has led many to describe Sinaloa as a narco state. A recent study published in Science Magazine indicated that the narco industry is the fifth largest employer in Mexico, just below Walmart and above the country's petroleum industry. And just earlier this year, the man who was once Mexico's highest-ranking law enforcement officer was tried and convicted in U.S. federal court of various drug trafficking charges while working for the Sinaloa cartel. In January of this year, 29 people were killed during a shootout between the Mexican government and well-armed cartel gunmen in an attempt to take one of Sinaloa cartel's leaders into custody in Culiacán. The military was so overwhelmed by the number of gunmen that the cartel leader was released. 
And during our stay in Mocorito, we were told by people who would know that our presence as U.S.-based journalists was known and noted. But we were also told that narcos are invested in making sure the town succeeds as a Pueblo Mágico, as a destination for tourists from Mexico and beyond. And that makes Mocorito an interesting paradox, because many of those associated with illegal activities are also proud of being Sinaloan, which gives them a vested interest in preserving the musical heritage of the region. And with the narcos having such a pervasive influence on the local economy, it's hard not to believe that some of the banda bands in the area have either performed for or have had some kind of association with the cartel. No one will go on the record to actually say that, but consider this. While Mocorito has set aside a newly constructed building for a museum for local heroes, Los Tigres del Norte, just 35 miles away, the mayor of another small town, Badiraguato, has reportedly proposed opening a museum dedicated to narco trafficking in the region. And that connection between narco culture and music is clearly defined in another Mexican musical export, the narco corrido. Much like gangster rap in this country, narco corridos are sometimes seen as the cartel's attempt to control their image, twisting the storytelling nature of corridos into a tool for their positive portrayal, despite it being associated with some of the darker, sadder, scarier parts of day-to-day Mexican reality. Remember that shootout in Culiacán we mentioned? A popular corrido was recorded in which the cartel apologizes to the citizens of Culiacán for the battle. And to show just how deep the cartel's influence has become, we come back to Peso Pluma. He wraps up 2023 as one of the planet's most streamed music stars. Yet, also this year, he canceled at least one concert because of death threats from a Mexican cartel, allegedly over beef about his lyrics. The vocalist has also come under fire in the past for romanticizing cartel violence in his music and videos like this song, Siempre Pendientes. And he has neither confirmed nor denied a reported relationship with Narcos earlier in his career. So while many cultural observers and plain old music fans have complained about the negative impact narco corridos have had on Mexican society, others blame the country's societal changes on fundamental flaws within the basic infrastructure of Mexican society, corruption in the Mexican government, police, and judicial system. And narco corridos exist because of that reality. It's so complicated, Felix, but... During this whole series, as we talked with people, as we researched, we reported, I started to think that maybe Banda Sinaloense and other forms of regional music throughout Mexico act as a buffer or a remedy or a distraction or maybe even a salvation for Mexican society. 
And for those on this side of the border, we've seen this series that the music is a way to connect back to Mexico as a point of pride under some very trying times for immigrants from Mexico and Central America here in this country. Felix, I told you late last night, I think this music, it's for broken people. Broken country, broken identity. And yet, within the heartbreak of the music of ourselves, we find acceptance. And maybe, just maybe, we even learn to love again. You have been listening to Regional Goals Global, a special series by Alt Latino from NPR Music. The audio for this episode was edited by Joaquin Cutler with audio engineering help from Josephine Neonai and production help from Soraya Mohammed. The editor for this series is Jacob Gantz. And thank you to NPR correspondent Ada Peralta for his editorial guidance and support. The film producer for this episode was Lily Quiroz. Hazel Sills is our podcast editor and digital editor. Grace Chung is our project manager. And Keith Jenkins is the VP of Music and Visuals for NPR. I'm Ana Maria Sayer. And I'm Felix Contreras. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our series, Regional Goals Global. And to hear all three episodes, you can go to our website at npr.org slash Latino or wherever you get your podcasts. And let's close out this week with a track from Los Hermanos Rubios de Mocorito called Mis Referencias. Quién Are We is a podcast that celebrates the stories and joy of Latin people. Your identity is where you grew up. I think I belong in Colombia. Who you grew up with. My sister and I would make up English words. The foods you ate. I owe my life to the flour tortilla. The traditions that you celebrate, the things that make you happy. Listen to Quién Are We, a podcast from Colorado Public Radio, part of the NPR Network. Numbers that explain the economy. We love them at The Indicator from Planet Money. And on Fridays, we discuss indicators in the news, like job numbers, spending, the cost of food, sometimes all three. So my indicator is about why you might need to bring home more bacon to afford your eggs. I'll be here all week. Wrap up your week and listen to The Indicator podcast from NPR. It's Been a Minute is a culture show you don't want to miss. Every week, we help you see the culture angle behind the headlines, the forces behind the trends, and the thinkers behind the next big thing. Tune in for the sharp cultural analysis and captivating interviews. Listen now to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR.